few people did see this film even though it was a small British indie film I'm, I'm glad that people will get a chance to revisit it and we can share it again by here because I think it's a film that needs to be seen more by more people and I think it'll be a great film to show yeah, young kids just generally as well I just think we keep going back to the word charming and that's exactly what it is like the the whole notion of making that film within this film and how that bonds them as, as an experience there's a reason we keep going back to that word because it's hard to not watch. It's hard to watch without having a smile on your face. Hello, film fans. Joining Flixwatcher podcast today, we have Sean. Hello. Andy. Hello. And Kobe. Hiya. And we're here to talk about Son of Rambo. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello film fans, welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Our guests today are Andy and Sean. Over to you please Sean to tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do please. So I am the author of The Sound of Cinema, an exploration of film music from its inception through to the modern day. I'm also a journalist with Cineworld and associated with other outlets and one half of the Frame to Frame podcast with Andy who is the long-suffering other half. So, <laughs> half? I, I think I get more than half. I'm, I'm like 0.6. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. So, Andy, you chose this film. Can you tell us first of all why you chose it? And then, and we'll get the timer ready for the synopsis. 60 seconds or okay. less. That should be not a problem. That's fine. But I, I'd honestly never seen it. And basically, I remember it coming out and I remember Mark Kermode properly banging the drum for it and thinking, I have to see this. I really need to. To the extent I bought the DVD when it came out and I still didn't watch it. And oh, I really? watched said DVD when putting it on for this, even though it was on Netflix, just to have used my DVD. So hold on. Just to be clear, you, in spite of it being old and you buying a DVD, you hadn't watched it before now yeah okay interesting was it still in the shrink wrap was the dvd still in the shrink wrap <laughs> no no i'm I'm not that much of a psychopath <laughs> I, I take them out but you know well, i just so you can't return them, them. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so just ruin any chance of returning and we'll get your money back. yeah yeah because yeah. otherwise i will then lose the temptation to watch it so no I'd, I'd never seen it and i saw it on your list and thought this is the perfect excuse to sit and watch it because from everything i've been told i will love it And the synopsis timer starts now. So Will Proudfoot, who is an 11-year-old shy boy whose family are, they belong to the Plymouth Brethren Church. He accidentally sees a screening of the first Rambo movie, which is First Blood. And during that time, he becomes friends with Lee Carter, who is played by Will Poulter. They set about filming their own version of a Rambo-type movie. And, I mean, chaos ensues. They impl- they get other people to come into their, their strange little games and that causes tension between them as friends. And it's, it's the forming of an unlikely childhood friendship, but one that is utterly fitting with its time and environment. Awesome. 
So the first time we watched it, I'm going to I'm going to stick with you, Andy, for the moment. Mainly because I don't know if anyone else's first time, but the fact that you owned it and followed a critic's recommendation. <laughs> and you've had it since 2008, yeah? Did you That's, get it? Yeah. When you came out? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not uncommon. It happens a lot on on frame to frame. Of oh yeah, I've got this DVD, but I've never watched it. <laughs> so this is what I've had this discussion with a few film fans, Helen and I know. And when the like the subjects of Criterion Collection comes up, for example, I'm like, I like the idea of it, but I've got I've got like a handful of films which I've bought, and they are still in the shrink wrap. And now I don't have an easy way to play it because I don't have a DVD player connected to a TV. So <laughs> as much as I like the idea of buying the still book so I can look at it, I know in my heart of hearts that. I'm not going to play it anytime soon. So I can, maybe I'm over-rationalising myself versus other people being emotionally like, yes, let me get the thing so I can hold it and enjoy it. See, I bought the PS5 specifically with the disc drive. I spent the extra just for the disc drive, just in case the situation ever came along. I do want to get the PS5 and I will get it with the disc drive because why not? And I'll probably get it off eBay so it's a lot cheaper. Anyway, so yourself, you've, (laughs) you've been waiting so long, you've put more effort than most people have to see this film in a weird kind of fuzzy logic way yeah <laughs> less i bought it once and left it there <laughs> although it's moved house with me so several times it's the files all that's it so you moved house it's been in the, it's been in the box i can't believe it's made their moves and you're just like didn't didn't put it on when you got into the new house as a celebration or anything no it's it's been gathering dust on various different shelves and brought out to play just this once and how was it after all that time I, I was so charmed by it. I loved it so much. I was just really swept along with the, the burgeoning friendship between Bill Milner's character and Will Poulter's character. I thought that those two had such a great chemistry. And when you've got two kids that, that play off each other so well, you always have to look at not only the writing, but the direction. Because in order to to create that environment, to make those kids feel as comfortable as they need to feel, Garth Jennings must have told them exactly what they needed to do and craft the environment around the the camera to being turned on perfectly well to get the performances that he needed because they're so natural. Yeah. For kid, for kid actors, I mean, I'm comparing to Harry Potter. <laughs> there was no, it just felt, it did feel like they were naturally there and they weren't acting, they weren't being directed as much. They were just, guys, be yourselves. And by the way, here's the script you got to read. Mm. Go. I thought they're great. Sean, Helen. First time watching it, how many times have you seen it before? What are your general thoughts? I've seen this definitely once, maybe twice, I think. I think it was kind of like one of those that I didn't see at the cinema because it was it was so tiny and then there was a little bit of a buzz about it. And yeah, I definitely used the phrase skills on toast a few times after watching it. That kind of like stuck with me. It's just like really, really charming and really, really sweet. And watching it now, you're like, oh yeah, Poulter was always going to be like a, the breakout star. What's that guy this. ever done? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, yeah, it's it's super sweet, and I I do have like a bit of a soft spot for films being made within a film, especially if they're kind of like made by kids and they're kind of like making an adult film. And you don't often get to see the film, do you? It's like a niche genre, but there's a few of those films. Yeah, that's a frame to frame theme. That is the exact that and this in Super Eight. Super yeah, 8, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you see the film in Super? Eight? Oh, so right at the end, isn't it? We see the film in Super Eight. Yeah, is it after the credits. Super 8, another film we've had on this podcast, guys, if you do want to scroll down the feed. Super 8. So, yeah, you liked it, Helen? Yeah, sweet. <laughs> Have you seen it before, Sean? 
Uh, yeah, I saw it at the cinema. I saw it at the watershed in Bristol, which is like my second home. I see pretty much all independent art. <laughs> yeah, what what the haven't you seen at the water? Yeah, I know. I, I, I mean, I think I think perhaps there's like a sort of imprint in one of the seats. <laughs> at one point, they're going to get you to put your hands in the wall like <laughs> they do the ground. Like yeah, like that plaque on the back of the seat in front of that might be a bit pretentious. In home cinema, there's someone I know at in home cinema where the main indie cinema used to be the Corn House in Manchester, and now it's the home. And when they got built, a friend of mine got the plaque, and every time she goes into that screening, she finds either the seats which your plaque is on or the seats in front of it so she can see her name. And I just think it's quite cute. And, and I, I don't find it pretentious. So maybe that's yourself doing yourself out of your own plaque there, Sean. You I feel. should definitely get a plaque. It can yeah. happen. Spies <laughs> 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 towards that. <laughs> but about the film, I remember being really, really charmed by it yeah. the first time. And I was just as charmed by it the second time around. And what struck me, which I'd forgotten about, was that this and Be Kind Rewind, which is also a movie about people making mm. their own homemade films, came out pretty much back to back with each other. That Michelle Gondry? Yeah, Michelle Gondry, Jack Black, Fol- Mos Def. Yeah. yeah. Followed and, up Sweden Sunshine. Yeah, so, yeah, sweet, yeah, because they do like a Swedish version of like RoboCop, and he's got like a hairdryer for for the guy. So interesting that two movies about the makeshift, the power of makeshift DIY filmmaking would come out—one American, one British. I think this is the better one of the two. I think, I mean, maybe it's because there's just something about you know being a Brit myself and watching a film set in 1980s Britain where they mm. get the music right, they get the the observational period details right, and the whole thing about the school going through like a French exchange program. I had that at school and they nail that. And the idea of the, you know, the apparently aloof too cool for school French kid actually kind of is maybe not quite what Bill Milner's character sees. And then he gets drawn into the filmmaking folders as well. Yeah. It's lovely. And Will Porter, Will Porter's star quality. I mean, it's evident right, right from the off, like right in this. I remember watching this for the first time. Okay. He's going to go places. And he, and he has so. Yeah. yeah, a Marvel movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was in something before this called School of Comedy, which I think was on CBBC. Was he? Was that before this or after this? Cause it def- might have been after, yeah. It, it sort of con- around the time of this, but it, that was quite odd. But he had comic chops in that as well. But he's a terrific actor. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Adam Warlock most recently on Guardians of Galaxy 3. Underused in that one. I, I think this is a lovely, lovely warm hug of a film and I like the way you have two people who initially they would be at opposite ends of the kind of friendship spectrum but ultimately kind of united by the fact they've got tortured or different home lives and that causes them to react in different ways but then binds them together and it's just yeah like I say lovely the thing that brought me most is I, I cannot remember if I saw it in the cinema but the thing that brought me to it was Adam Buxton and Jessica Hines Stevenson in that and it's good that they're kind of lesser characters in this film, but they just have, you know, small appearances, small appearances from Edgar Wright in this as well. But they won't brought me to it. And it seems, I quite like the way that quite a few people did see this film, even though it was a small British indie film. And I'm glad that people will get a chance to revisit it and we can share it again by here, because I think it's a film that needs to be seen more by more people. And I think it'll be a great film to show, yeah, young kids just generally as well. It's, it's interesting you say that about like what brought you to it. So like Garth Jennings was like Hammer and Tongs and Hammer and Tongs did like all of the kind of quirky video films. So that's kind of how I knew it. They did Coffee and TV. What do you mean by video film? Sorry. Coffee and TV they did. And what? the Supergrass. Wasn't that Jim Jarmusch? 
No, the, the no, sorry, the the music video. Yeah, oh, sorry, I'm so, thinking, I'm, I thought I was thinking coffee and cigarettes. Uh, yeah. sorry, cigarette. So the, the Supergrass yeah. popping on your stereo, coffee and TV blur. That was like the big one. So they'd done loads and loads of like slightly quirky, unusual videos, music videos. And then Garth Jennings obviously decided he wanted uh, to do a film. And then they both got back together and they did the film Sing, which I have not seen. I didn't know. I didn't realise it was a hammer and tongs. I knew Garth Jennings did Sing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so both of them. He also did the adaptation of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, didn't he, with Martin Freeman, which was kind of a bit of a, a bit of a bodge. Yeah. <laughs> Using most deaf Yasin Bey in there again, completing that, that reference in there. Yeah, it all comes back to be kind rewind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently so. Now, I, I've seen Sing a whole bunch. My kids are, are, are of that age where singing animals are kind of the perfect thing to put on for them. <laughs> and it, it always goes down a storm. So I haven't tried them on Son of Rambo yet. <laughs> it's not quite got me yet because uh, they don't complete a song, at least until the song, until I've been. So they start off with The Long and Winding Road by The Beatles. And I get like... 30 seconds into it and then it changes the song and it changes the song again and that really irritates me. So <laughs> DJ I'm Megabits. sure I will watch it at some point. Though. Don't watch Happy Feet in that case. I mean, I've seen Happy Yeah, I saw Happy Feet. I quite enjoyed that. Um, maybe. Mm. <laughs> maybe his best film. <laughs> or there could be Mad Max Fury Road. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, let's leave that one. We we covered it recently on, um, on Frame yeah. to Frame. I had a bit of a meltdown about that one. <laughs> yeah. We had the great Frida yeah. Cooper on for that one. Yeah. So, yeah, we're all kind of recommending Son of Rambo here. Was there, what about the film? And so let's talk about the film that they're making and how that kind of manifested. And also this kind of French exchange subtext with this uber cool, but uber cool to some French guy, <laughs> naff to others, <laughs> French guy. I wonder where that kind of plot thread came from. I mean, it sounds very true to life. It sounds mm. like like Garth Jennings possibly drawing on personal experience because it's not uncommon for, I think, kids of the 80s to have just about had a video camera and go out and just mess around with it. I mean, you see it when you, you go into so many other films, like The Fablemans, for example, obviously much further back in time, but even Steven Spielberg was doing it then. So it all strikes the tone of... It, it, this probably happened. It, they, you know, there's obviously licenses and stuff taken, but I get the feeling that the Garth Jennings was very much Will Proudfoot, and like the the mythical French exchange students, and kind of coming over with their French fashions, and <laughs> it's, it's a whole other world. Because again, this is it's, it's mad, isn't it? That but, almost sounded a bit xenophobic. French fashions. No, like the, the yeah, kind of the sneering tone that we didn't. <laughs> I mean, I love With the, I their love the fashions fashion. and their language and their food. <laughs> and then it was kind of like sort of built up, and then it turns out it was just like a kid from a school in France, and they were just a bit like you, except they were just from from France. But yeah, I love the um, sort of. It becomes kind of the the sort of celebrity of the school, and yeah, it, it's just quite cute as well. And yet he doesn't, he's not an advocate for his own celebrity. He's, he's bored and he, he's kind of, once he's bored of that, he just wants, and then he falls in with the filmmaking crew and he almost kind of finds his mojo. So the idea of being, what the film does really well is it plays counter to our expectations of who the characters are, which is kind of good with kids because kids are like fickle and mercurial and they'll change their mindset. And it's like the idea of Bill Milner's character being, 
the kid who's being brought up in this very, very strict religious household harbours a creative streak. Will Porter's character appears to be too cool for school and very independent, but he's actually crying out for a parental figure and he's actually quite wounded so the way it kind of plays up is not there at all to help yeah and i think that that's poignant that's really poignantly brought across and it's the idea of that you can't judge a book by its cover that that you know once you you know these two friends bill milner and will porter's character get to know each other through the medium of making this film and they kind of go on inverse trajectories in a way and obviously the making of the films themselves is really funny like they do their own stunts it goes into like animation and weird sort of impressionistic textures it's always very very garth jennings very indicative of his background but yeah it's really charming i remember the there's one episode of in between is where there's the french exchange and i can't help but feel that that was inspired in part by <laughs> yeah. by this as well i forgot about that episode yeah. but, they, yeah. but they kind of hated the french guy there even though the girls liked him i can't i can't remember what the full yeah. kind of story was but i'll stay quiet on all things in between yeah us. you love the in between us don't you andy <laughs> <laughs> let's move swiftly on well is there anything else you want to say before we head to the scores i just think we keep going back to the word charming and that's exactly what it is like the the whole notion of making that film within this film and how that bonds them as as an experience there's a reason we keep going back to that word because it's hard to not watch. It's hard to watch without having a smile on your face. Can I just, the word scores has reminded me to just say something about the score by Joby Talbot. That's out um, of character. <laughs> right. And Joby Talbot is collaborates a lot with, with the Garth Jennings, but he's a really renowned composer in like film and ballet and TV. He's got a really, really um, interesting multifaceted background. What I like is that Rambo First Blood was scored by Jerry Goldsmith, who's my favourite film composer <sighs> ever. Um, there you go, bingo. And isn't Joby? I mean, sorry, Scott- did you say John Williams there? <laughs> <laughs> I said John Goldsmith, <laughs> Jerry Williams. So th- there comes a point on every episode of Frame to Frame where Sean will bring up Jerry Goldsmith, irrespective of whether it has any any relevance or sense to the film. Unfortunately for this one, it does. Like it's it's actually (laughs) it's started to infect other podcasts. (laughs) But what I like about Joby Talbot's score is when his score for Son of Rambo sounds like a Jerry Goldsmith family score for, say, like Joe Dante. You can hear that he's researched that very kind of bouncy, whimsical tone of like sort of mischief in suburbia, which Goldsmith did in like super gremlins and small soldiers and and things. And I think that that works absolutely. It's obviously got a militaristic angle as well, which kind of it's the whole theme of like son of Rambo you know the idea of Bill Milner's character is kind of crying out for his deceased parent and that then becomes like a sort of an absence in it but the way the score amplifies that I think is fantastic yeah I was just going to say smoking sections in cinemas (laughs) (laughs) very yeah it's weird so strange to think yeah Yeah. you'd be watching a movie and there's a haze of smoke above your head it's just alien world and they're the little ashtrays in the back of the seats. Don't have that anymore. It's like watching a historical documentary for cinemas <laughs> in the 1980s. Well, when you said that they you, you using the word skills, I remember using that at school. I mean, I went to yeah, primary I school in the, in the 90s. Mad skills. I remember that it brought that back. Hearing it again, I was oh yeah, we used to use that like skills. They, they didn't teach us any skills in Wales. <laughs> oh no they didn't teach us it we just said it <laughs> we, we, we didn't know what it meant they, they just thought us Welsh and all I really remember of that is good morning and good afternoon <laughs> guys well let's head to the scores
I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of the scores are out of five. You can have decimal places if you wish, and we will start with you, please, Andy, with your recommendability. Five. 100% five. It's... Like I said, we keep going back to that same word of charming and it is a very specific story, but in that specificity is a universality and it's the element of growing up. And yeah, for that reason, I'd give it the full five out of five. Sorry, Sean. Yeah, here, here, agree with Andy. I just think it's a crowd pleaser. Oh God, we've agreed. <laughs> We agree more here than we have on one of our own episodes. <laughs> it's completely, it's not offensive. It's its not a challenging film. It's not a film that you need to convince people to watch. I think you know, people would love the nostalgia and the emphasis on being a child, which is completely universal. Yeah, I think a five, absolutely. Helen? Yeah, I'm going to give it a 4.5. I wonder how this would translate kind of outside because it is very, very English. And I think it does kind of have that specific kind of uniqueness that we all can all relate to that. So I love it. And I think it's super, super charming, but I think that it does kind of have a specific audience. And I wonder if you were to kind of recommend it to a teenager now, whether they'd be the same sort of, have that same sort of like nostalgia and kind of warm feeling that we have towards it. I still think it's super, super sweet. It'd have been like us watching Kez as a teenager. <laughs> that's that's how far we are from the 80s now. Oh, God, that's depressing. Yeah. That is depressing. <laughs> <laughs> this was supposed to be a happier podcast. Yeah, yeah I'm going to go for going 4.2. I think it's a great film. I think most people should watch it. Maybe 4. Point, let's go 4.5 with Helen. Complex, but charming, young, but relevant film there. Repeat viewing score. <laughs> so this is Andy's first time after owning for 13 plus years. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. the repeat viewing score going to be? Well, I would watch it again. <laughs> I want to watch it uh, with my wife because it's something that I think that she would get an awful lot from. And as a result of me having seen it, I definitely want to go back and watch it again. So she's normally a barometer for how the films are going on frame to frame as well. Very often she'll look up and say, you don't have to watch some rubbish, but this would not have been one of them. So I'm going four marks again. I'm going for a five. Sean. Yeah, I'll probably go 4.5 because I think that it is very, very innocuous and very likable. I do kind of feel if I rewatched it that many times within a certain period if the sweetness might you know I, I might start craving something a bit edgier so I don't I, it's not an edgy film by by any stretch of the imagination there are there are darker moments in it occasionally but yeah 4.5 I'd say yeah I um say so sorry around when it came out and enjoyed revisiting it again not sure how many more watches I'm going to get out of it. It is super short. It's like one hour, 35 minutes. So it's not, it's not like a, you have to invest hours and hours. So I'm going to give it a three. 
You guys are harsh. <laughs> I, just, I just don't have time to watch, rewatch films anymore. Like, seen it twice, that's it. It's dead yeah. to me. It's like a handful of films that get into the golden circle of rewatching more than twice. Well, Kingsman's not one of them. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I think, uh, I'm not sure if I'll watch it again that frequently. I'm, I'm super glad to have watched it again because I, I just hadn't seen it for a while. So I'd like to perhaps leave quite a big gap before doing so. I'd forgotten about the whole kind of Plymouth Brethren, is that what it's called? In this kind of mm. oppressive local religious sect that was bearing down on Jessica Stevenson's, uh, Jessica Hines and her, uh, her family's history. And I like the way they broke away from it. So I quite like to forget that stuff again before rewatching it for this, this podcast. I think I'm slightly disappointed we didn't get more of Jessica Stevenson. I, I love her so much in, in Spaced. And it's a different you performance. Said the magic S great. word for sure. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a different performance it's... for sure. But. Yeah, I, I want to see more of her in more films, and I don't, I don't think there's enough of her generally. Totally agree. I think she's very good in this for the material that she gets, and it, she's very understated. And when she kicks Neil Dudgeon's character out of the kitchen at the end without even raising her voice, without even doing anything, it's a good example of understated acting. But yeah, I, I do agree that you know, I mean, she was in years and years, and she she's been in a few a few things. But yeah, we do need to see more because she was one of the co-writers of space you know she yeah, deserves right. just as much credit as, as every as anybody she should be in a mission impossible yeah that i'm all for that yeah that would be phenomenal uh, uh cheryl from the royal family sudden being at tom cruise's side <laughs> i was thinking about the royal family t- today or yesterday that's kind of a strange pull you just made there a small screen score andy so I didn't obviously see it in the cinema. The first time I saw it was on my TV. So I don't, again, feel that I've lost anything, but there may be a sort of a scrungier charm to seeing when they're actually filming, see the, the, the footage that they depict on a bigger screen. So I'm going to go for a four. Yeah, I'd say four as well. I think something about the limited parameters of a smaller screen somehow amplify the themes of the film because the idea is what they are making is very very ramshackle and lo-fi and I think there's something about the nature of a small screen presentation that kind of gets under the skin of that and it does emphasize the kind of parochial sweetness of the story and you know the, the relatively limited parameters of being a child as well so yeah Helen yeah I didn't see it at the cinema I think other than obviously it's good to support these smaller, slightly less showy films at your local cinema when you can. I don't think it takes anything away from sort of the experience for me, so I'm going to give it a five. It's like it's it's there. It's kind of one of those things. It's it's on Netflix, and if you if you bought the DVD at the time because everyone said how great it was, <laughs> and then moved house and didn't have a DVD player and have yet to open your DVD, it is on Netflix. So you can have the pleasure of watching it at any time without a DVD if you want. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go for five as well. I think it's like again, it's, it's a quaintish, charmingish film with no. Not much bombast, apart from some of the uh, kind of Rambo bits. I thought the title was really interesting, how they played that and the, how they related into, parlayed into the rest of the film and stuff. So I thought that was quite nice, uh, just as a, as a side thing. But you don't need the bigger screen for that. So small screen score, 4.2. Engagement score, Andy. If it was in the traditional days where you were flicking around a channel and it was on, if I yeah. saw it was on now, I wouldn't turn it off. I would 100% go for a five on it because... It just brings a smile to your face. So what was that score then? 
A five. That's a five again. It looks to be a strong score, this one, so far. I'm single-handedly trying to bring up the average. (laughs) (laughs) Sean? Well, I was going to say five, but I don't want to agree with Andy too much because it might seem, um, yeah, it might seem a bit weird. <laughs> going to go so 4.8 instead. Yeah, 4.7 4. I'll do just to drop it down a little bit. <laughs> it's still pretty high though. It's, it's a very, very engaging, very likeable film with great performances and very well directed. Helen? Yeah, I'm going to give it a four. It's very light and breezy and it's it's not too taxing on the brain. So yeah, obviously you need to pay attention so you know what's going, but you can kind of get a feel for where it's going. But yeah, it's kind of like a a Sunday afternoon, nice, charming Sunday afternoon. Goes down with a cup of tea while well. yeah, and some yeah. biscuits, and some biscuits. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Simpatico. <laughs> I say tea, the first thing you guys think is biscuits. biscuits. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a film where I think I'm going for a 3.8. It's definitely a film that's got, you don't, you don't need to pay attention and you can kind of just enjoy it and just kind of veg out a bit on the sofa. You wouldn't be, you'd miss stuff if you second screened it, like some of the animation flourishes, for example, but you don't need to be like fully focused and beamed in to it so 3.8 that gives us an overall score of 4.35625 boom well done not that there's a prize for guessing a high scoring film it's very high that anything over a four is high um but it's great sean andy can you tell everyone can find you online and your podcast and we'll say goodbye to you listeners you can find us on Twitter uh, at, at Frames Frame Pod. Are we calling it Twitter? Well, I'm going to. I've called it Twitter. So you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Find us on Twitter uh, at Frames Frame Pod, and you can also find us on Instagram, Frames Frame, and find me personally. I'm on Twitter at Seano22, and on Instagram at Sean Film Writer. Awesome. And it's not going to give you. A, you don't have a. You don't have. No, a, I was just waiting to see if there was. A, yeah. um, <laughs> I mean, you can do. You can remain mysterious if you want. Yeah, but, I, like- I, I do this <laughs> deliberately to maintain mystique. <laughs> so I'm I'm on Twitter as at Andy Williams two fifty. I'm on Instagram as Andy Williams ninety one. And yeah, we're pretty much everywhere as a podcast as at Frame to Frame Pod. So do feel free to check us out. And if you've got any random themes and you want us to try and cover it, if you've got two films that don't really go together. Together, but you want them to in some shoehorned way get in touch and we'll we'll see if we can tackle that one okay awesome well guys thank you very much i'll be on frame to frame at some point maybe by the time you listen to this episode it, it will have already gone out by the time we'll this does. and helen will be joining at some point to talk about some guitar guy <laughs> in the, the film the, the, the boss of all guitar guys <laughs> some guitar guy and yeah well guys thank you very much for listening it's been a pleasure Thanks for having us. Thank you. Bye. Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixWatcherPod on Twitter and we're at FlixWatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them FlixWatcher sent you. You just heard a stripped media production.